Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm doing well. I heard our promo. That was such on- a Midwestern way. Doing well. Uh, I'm doing well. Where it's like, oh my God, there's <laughs> volumes there. I heard our new promo on another um, Max Fun show. <gasps> I was very excited to hear it. It's it's very cute. I like it. We did a great job. Excellent. I love that. I'm going through, I don't know if this is how everyone else experiences uh, allergies, but seasonal allergies where it's the ebb and flow of, oh, my face is so full of snot to like, oh, it's dry as the desert in there. And then it's like back and forth. <laughs> I have that funny, um, that itch that feels somewhere between your ear and your throat. Oh, yeah. I make this sound like a I cat to, with a hairball. I need ball. to write in to Sydney on Sawbones and ask her, what is that? I When I have an itchy throat, I make the sound uh, like a cat with a hairball. And I have numerous times scared our children <laughs> doing it. <laughs> Yeah. And and I remember one time BB jumped and you said, scared me too, Beebs. Scared me too. <laughs> yes. So that's cool. We're going to try to well, I, I need to stop talking about allergies because every time I think about it, my eyes itch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, we have a lot of living things in our house. We do. Plants, animals, children, more animals. <laughs> <laughs> and it also, after a long winter in Ohio, sometimes it just feels really great to throw open the windows. Oh, yeah. And, and have that breeze. Have that breeze move through your house. Uh, but then you're like, oh, no, what have I done? But also, to be fair, I said we have a lot of animals, but no one's ever said, do you have fish at your house? Oh, I can't. <laughs> it's, I'll start sneezing. I was like that with birds. Well, so that's different, a, a though. A friend of mine had birds in high school, and I was like, I can't be here. Well, I wouldn't want to do birds freak me out, man. How they fly? They kept <laughs> no in one a cage. Knows. What? It, they were budgies in a cage. Okay. It's too close to wedgies for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's going to be one of those. I'm very tired. Okay. We're talking about haute couture. <laughs> oh, Is that right? God. Did I nail it? What's wrong? <laughs> haute? No, stop it. Couture. Haute Couture. I think I nailed it. Couture. No. I was trying to do it like it was all one yeah, sound. Yeah, one. Like a big loogie. Throat clear. All right. Okay, so so what? here are some things that I'm going to cover. It's high this. fashion, right? We're doing. It, okay, so yes. What's the What exactly is haute couture? Uh, what exactly is high fashion? What does it mean? Why did luxury fashion brands become a status symbol? These, all these things. Okay. And of course, you brought me on the most fashionable person you know. Mm-hmm. You're looking at my T-shirt that has it's the Mothman flying <laughs> over Point Pleasant, and it says "Night Moves" on it from Kinship Goods. Yes, it's yeah. very fashionable. I could wear this to Milan. I could wear this to Paris. Mm-hmm. I could wear mm-hmm. this to Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. Or Las mm-hmm. Vegas. So very specifically, let let me talk about the. We'll we'll go into the history, but I do want to actually start with some definitions. Okay, okay? it's my favorite part of any entertainment <laughs> podcast. I mean, it is my my okay. favorite. Yeah, what do words mean? My favorite part. Okay, um, so there are some pretty strict rules regarding haute couture. So it is an officially protected term, really, which was first set in 1945. So a, a fashion label can only remain awarded 
haute couture status by a commission selected by the Ministry of Industry. So French, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And couture and haute couture are not the same. Randy Couture, I think, is an MMA fighter. Couture can be used to describe any garment that is handmade and one of a kind. Okay. Okay, but haute couture is a special designation from the French government. Okay. And to be considered a a, um, haute couture house, brands must own an atelier in Paris. So like a, a, a workshop. A designing house and and creative workshop okay. in Paris, with at least fifteen full time employees, and present at least thirty five looks in a show twice a year. Oh. Paris Fashion Weeks, right? Okay, I didn't realize you said strict, and this a is very even stricter strict. than I thought. And the list can and does change. So notably, Givenchy was dropped off the list of haute couture in spring 2003 um, because they failed to qualify. Oh, okay. Um, And so these are made-to-order clothes, right? There are usually only one Mm -hmm. of each haute couture piece. I love I can hear you say it all day, by the way. I love it. Um, and so these these day and evening looks are presented to the public. Do they in, do jammies? Mm, evening? No. They Maybe don't, they, they don't. don't do any old jammies? Okay, I suppose that in a particular show they might do pajamas as fashion. Oh, but, but no like flannel. These are, so these are for private clients, okay? So there's only one of these things in the world ever at a time. And the guest members of the houses, right, they pr- invite people every season, and if the and if a brand is asked four times in a row, it becomes eligible as a member, right? Okay, so this is, this is not, okay, I'm gonna show, my West Virginia's gonna show, okay? But this is like when we watch a fashion show, like one of the big fancy catwalk fashion shows, right? Mm-hmm. There's one where you see those outfits, and then it's not like a thing you're ever gonna see at like Macy's or whatever, right? Absolutely. It's, it's just the designer flexing, right? And saying, this is what I could do, right? This is my style, right? It's not like this is the new fashion that everyone's going to be wearing on the street. Well, okay. I'm so confused by fashion shows and I'm uh, no longer afraid to admit that. So it's like a pyramid, okay? So at the very, very top, the tiny point of the pyramid is haute couture. Okay. That is only Paris Fashion Week only the specific haute couture houses, okay. right? That's the only place. Now, there is a fashion week in New York and Milan and other places, right? Those are all fashion brands, right, with yes. specific designers. Okay. And some of those are couture, meaning they are one-of-a-kind bespoke garments. Okay. Some of them are not. And then the pyramid, like, branches out further and further, where you have different designers presenting different lines that are more and more down to the bottom, which is the ready-to-wear garment. Okay? Okay. But those fashion... uh, um, Until you get down to that ready-to-wear garment, right? This is not them saying, like, these are going to be the looks you're going to see everybody wearing. 
next season, right? It's just well, like, it's going to be a style like this. There's always, like, copycats and blatant stealing. Okay. But, like... It's like an art show, though, more than, right? Yeah, it's more like an more art show. More than it's, like, publicizing a line of clothes you could buy. Exactly. Okay. And if you can afford it, that's, like, the top... Point zero zero one percent of people who care about fashion mm-hmm. have the money to care about fashion. Um, those are the only people who can wear like haute couture and you know couture kind of like clothing. Okay, because each house that is haute couture has its own like um, rules regarding the meeting with a specific designer and how many fittings and how many different like iterations of the same design there can be. So like some of the houses, if you buy this dress in black, right, you commission it in black. Nobody else can commission it in that color. Okay. That dress is done, right? Somebody else could maybe ask for that in red made specifically for them but can you imagine if they worked at the same event oh my god i mean you w- i would watch that unfold a lot of the time only one of these garments uh-huh. exist at a time okay and, and that's if you the way spill that coffee on it oh my god can you imagine <laughs> you wouldn't that's the way that haute couture works okay, okay? so and this started way 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 back with the european monarchies and can I just want to? I I want to put the tiger on the table and yell at it, right? It's like right <laughs> off the bat, we should address this is reeking of privilege, right? Absolutely, because as you said, like the to have enough money to not just like want to be fashionable, but like say like I'm gonna flex so hard and be the only person on earth that has this outfit, no matter the cost, right? That is right. a level of privilege, right? Okay, which is very interesting because, um, you know. My mom used to make dresses for us when we were little. Those are bespoke garments. How often right? was your mom in a Paris fashion show? Just I I'm, what I'm saying uh-huh. is the way that the pendulum swings back and forth right. between this is for the rich of the rich and this is for every man. Right. right? At this point in time. I mean, let's say um, outside of like social media DIYers and and fashion designers and things like that, right? People who are forced to make their own clothes because they can't afford now Uh, ready to wear, right? Right. Um, And then the people who have a single garment made specifically for them. These are like opposite sides of the same kind of like circle. It's the pendulum swing that you talk about a lot where you talk about like tanning, for example, Mm -hmm. or like nail polish, makeup, hair. It's always that pendulum swing of what represents privilege. What is is showing off at any given time. Um, So – So much so that in medieval, um, in the Middle Ages, there were laws called sumptuary laws. I know these. I do know this. Tell us about it. One of the ones I know about is like, for example, there were colors that only royalty were allowed to wear, Mm -hmm. right? So like there was like a shade of purple, right? Right. Where it's just like this this shade is like regulated only for the royal family. Exactly. And uh, there were like certain fabrics that only rich people could wear. And if Mm -hmm. like a poor person was caught wearing, if a peasant was caught wearing these, they could be punished uh, for wearing clothes from above their station, right? Exactly, right? Um, so what we're talking about as far as, like, fashion brands, right, mm-hmm. ultimately started with specific designers, okay? And 
For example, um, you know, we've talked about how in, you know, pre-1700s Europe, you couldn't just go into a store right. and buy yourself any dress, right? You would have actual Marc Jacobs come to your house and, like, cut but it not, out for you. <laughs> it would be like Marc Jacobs Sr., 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 right? <laughs> so let's take an example. In the 1720s, the Queen's dressmaker, Francoise Leclerc, was so popular that women from all roles in the French court flocked to him to design them a dress. Okay. Um, And so this is like the start of kind of like a fashion brand, right? Because everything that he designed was very similar and everybody wanted it and it was a status symbol. So someone could say like, is that Leclerc? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And... There were some that reached beyond just French acclaim. For example, Rose Bertin. She was a French milliner and dressmaker for uh, the French aristocracy. Is milliner hat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boom. And she was dubbed, quote, the minister of fashion. Ooh, not bad for a title. Because she was the personal designer for Marie Antoinette. Ah, okay, yeah. I think you get to have that title when you're doing Marie Antoinette's hot looks. Exactly. Okay. And uh, it's actually very interesting that left to her own devices, Marie Antoinette would have dressed much simpler. Yeah, well, she wasn't... Was she born French? Uh, she was... Austrian? Let's yes, see. Austrian. Austrian, okay. I was thinking about croissants. Okay, we so uh, we are, all are. Which are, <laughs> which are also Austrian. Anyway, uh-huh. Austria. She was croissant adjacent. Um, and so, but she she obviously, Marie Antoinette needed to look the part, right, right, of the French queen. Some would argue that she really outdid herself, therefore, like, you know, inciting the, um, yeah. <laughs> the French Revolution. There does hit a point where privilege becomes so privileged that you're like, okay, wait, hold on. We're not, this is too much, right? Right, yes, okay. yes. Um, Your hair is taller than you are. We need to address <laughs> this. And so when we first get to the first designer in the modern sense, right? I can't wait to hear about this. I can't wait to hear about designer in the modern sense. But you know what I'd like to do first? Thank you, No, for our sponsors. That's correct. I want to talk for a moment and say thank you to StoryWorth. Story, we got kids. I don't do. know. Yes, hey, we I, do. I don't know if you know this, Teresa. <laughs> we got two children. And and life with our children is often a blur. It moves so fast. You know, one day they're little babies in your arms. And the next day they're asking to watch iPad. And you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, fine. <laughs> and you know, it happens. And you want to remember the good times. Um, and so that's where StoryWorth comes in. Because StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories. And... Preserve them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, what is one of your fondest childhood memories? After one year, StoryWorth compiles all of those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. I will say, as uh, you know, as our beautiful children have grown and everything, one of our most prized possessions is anything that documents 
the experiences of, of our last like six years as a uh, family. I mean, we were family before that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, being able to give people memories uh, and, and shared experiences is some uh, of the most beautiful gifts we've shared with each other and with family and all of that. So get to know your loved ones better and preserve those special moments forever with StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash schmanners. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash schmanners to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash schmanners. Schmanners is also sponsored in part this week by Quip. I know Quip. Let me tell you a story about my Quip. Tell me about your Quip. So we've been using Quip toothbrushes specifically for, for a now. very long, yeah, time. A long time. And the battery in my Quip died, and I just couldn't get around to replacing it. I was using it as a manual toothbrush. Oh, the worst. And it's just not the same. It's not the same. I finally replaced that battery, and now to feel that sweet, sweet vibration while I brush my teeth. Uh, actually is amazing in the fact that it does feel very fresh yes. and clean. Yes. But also, while I was using it manually, without the battery, I was not brushing nearly long enough. No, no. I was like, brush, 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 that's it. That I'm done. But now that I have the timing yep. back with the battery and the toothbrush, I'm back. The amazing thing to me, it went, so Quip has a built-in timer and it pulses. Uh, every 30 seconds to tell you to move to a different section. It's only two minutes, right? Which doesn't right. sound that long. But I'll but start brushing my long. I'll start brushing my teeth and I'm like as I'm brushing and feel the vibrations, I'm thinking, that's almost two minutes. This moment it's still <laughs> okay, it's still going. It's got it's gotta be almost two minutes. This is yeah. come on. No, come on. No, it's gotta be two. Oh, you're messing with me, Quip. <laughs> and you know what? It's also helped BB brush better. Oh yeah, BB brush. They loves make it. kids quips. And with a smaller brush head, yeah. which is great. Um, but it also still has the timing pulses. Yes. And she is very happy to brush her teeth. They also have, oh, she loves that toothpaste. The strawberry the toothpaste. Strawberry She's toothpaste. wild about it. She's wild about it. And you can be wild about it, too. So you should go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now. And you can get a first refill free. <gasps> That's your first refill, refill, uh, which is, it's the brush heads yeah. right? and the toothpaste. And the battery. And the battery. All built in. Um, All there in the bag. First refill free at getquip.com slash schmanners. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. From Quip, the Good Habits Company. I'm a psychic. My name is Psychic Carrie. I'm yes. Ross. Oh, what a pleasure to meet you. Of course, I knew your name was Ross, as I'm a psychic. But please, take a yeah. seat. Well, I was hoping, we, hoping could talk I about could talk about my, my podcast. podcast. Yes, I know. It's called Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Yes. We investigate from uh -huh. science, spirituality, yeah. and claims Claire of the paranormal. paranormal. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. This whole podcast, it sounds like it's been a real challenge for you lately. No, actually, it's a lot of fun. Yes, exactly. Because it's so fun. Fine. I don't know how you this do it. This will be $75. Okay. That seems fair. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. At MaximumFun.org. You knew it was a .org. I have a gift. You were telling me about hot couture. Uh-huh. Is that not it? I no, think, that's I think not... I nailed it just like you're saying it. Keep, how, how are you saying keep it? Keep practicing. How keep are you saying it? Hot couture. Hot coder. No. No? Okay. Um. So fashion as we know it. 
didn't really start until 1825, and it was started by a man named Charles Jim Fashion. Charles Frederick Worth. Uh, so he had a very large business where he employed many seemingly anonymous tailors and seamstresses, right? So they are like, they are able to pump out these clothes. Okay. And of course, I mean, he was still working very intimately with his high influence clients. He was in the primary designer for Empress Eugenie of France. Okay. Specifically. Um, so he was always working right alongside his clients, right? He had a large client base and he was able to make he was able to make the jump from designer for one person to designer that influenced everybody. Okay. Because February 1st, 1853, Napoleon III dictated that no visitors would be received to his court without formal dress. Oh. So that one statement sent the popularity of Worth's gowns into the stratosphere. Okay. Everybody needed one, right? And so the demand was so high, um, he was able to dub his company the House of Worth. um, And Charles Frederick is still considered to this day to be the father of couture fashion. Okay. Now, I, I... I, I'm sitting here trying to think about this this declaration, right? So this would include mm-hmm. everyone, right? If anyone, you have a grievance, grievance, anything, right? Anyone who stepped inside the court. Okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and so as we get to the 20th century, um, Parisian high fashion becomes the, the top of this pyramid that we were talking about um, because of fashion magazines and department stores who would send buyers to Paris fashion shows and then they would purchase the garments and then copy them, blatantly yeah. steal them to to sell en masse. I also know, right, that this was a time, especially early 20th century, we're talking about like 1940s, for example, that this was a time where people coming back from World War II who had spent time in France just like went on and on about France and everybody was like saw them as the height of like fashion and class, right? So everybody wanted to be seen as being alongside of that, right? Mm -hmm, So like, mm -hmm. that's why we, you know, think about uh, fashion and food and wine and all of these things. This is a time when people really started to want to be uh, your, they want to, not European, but like continental, right? Right. We talk about, oh, I want to seem like well-traveled and I know everything. And that's why I hold my cigarette like this, you know? But there is quite a famous uh, American couture ba- uh, brand. Can you think of what it is? Ralph Lauren. No. No. Tommy Hilfiger. No. No. Think further back. 1830s. Chanel? Tiffany. Oh. Yeah, Tiffany's. The yeah. blue box. Exactly. So it was Breakfast said- there. <laughs> it was said that their waffle. jewelry ushered in a new opportunity for a uniquely American look that had clean lines and classic pieces, but was still authentically Yankee style. Well, and also I say jewelry and whatnot, but it's one of them, I was blown away. I'm, listen, we are who we are. We like the Antiques Roadshow. And occasionally they'll be like, oh, Tiffany's lamp. And they're always gorgeous. But I just never think about Tiffany's as making anything other than jewelry. Oh, they made pretty much everything. Um, So all of the people that we think about now as luxury brands like Uh Chanel, like Rolex, Prada, 
Balenciaga. Cadillac. Gucci. No. No. All formed before the mid-1920s. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, you know, this was a great time to be rich, you know, with rubber barons. And to be fair. Fancy women in Art Deco jewelry. Aside from the French Revolution, it's pretty much always a good time to be rich. <laughs> There's very, like, very rarely was someone like, and I would have hated to be rich during that time, except for the French Revolution. Other than that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are now lots of designers at that kind of, like... As we we talked about the pyramid, right? There are lots of designers that started at the haute couture houses uh, as, you know, um, like young designers, right? Um, And then they left to establish their own uh, brands, people like Yves Saint Laurent, uh, Pierre Cardin, Uh André Courage. Okay. um, And interestingly, Hanai Mori. A Japanese woman based in Paris. She was actually, she started in Japan in 1951, but she approached Chanel to work for them. um, And that was when her line just exploded in France. Okay. Um, And so this isn't really where designers make their mark anymore. It is from the rich and famous. Uh Uh-huh wearing their outfits in public, right? So it's think about Kim Kardashian. Shows. Oh, okay. I was going to say award shows. Oh, sure. People. Award shows if There's sure. a reason they ask the question of who are you wearing. Yes. Because a lot of the time, those dresses and suits and stuff are free. Mm-hmm. And it's because they know they're going to get interviewed. And part of the deal is you have to ask me who I am wearing so I can say it so that they get the free publicity and I get this free dress. Right. And so people see those those designers on the red carpets or whatever, right? And then the haute couture brands have little branch-off fashion houses where they make the next tier of luxury goods like um, Hermes it does the Birkin bag, right? Uh-huh. Uh, which are very closely guarded. Um, by the way. And then um, you get a little further down where um, multinational brands, uh, sports brands like uh, Adidas and things like that. I like how you said that. That is how it is pronounced. I know. It's just I'm a rube and I would never say it right. Uh, I like how you said it because it shows you've done your research. (laughs) Thank you. And I am a child. Um, Who are not haute couture, but they do have a recognizable fashion brand, right? Right. Um, And so, fast forward to the 1990s and the early 2000s. Jinko jeans. (laughs) Thousands and thousands of fashion blogs and books and shows updating, like, the masses on these designers. Uh Um, And, you know, the culture built around the brands that we are talking about is synonymous with wealth, right? When you think about an Oscar de la Renta dress... You think about some kind of, like, huge thing that might have been on, I don't know, like, My Super Sweet 16, right? Where the the 16-year-old is, like, begging for this one beautiful dress for her birthday or whatever. Sure. Um, or if you go uh, on YouTube and look up celebrity closet tours, right, there'll be uh, whole rooms dedicated to just shoes or just bags, and they have them in, like— you know, like those disp- those lit display cases where they like turn around and stuff. You they probably don't have big piles of dirty clothes, right? No, they they 
definitely don't. Okay. Um, and they, they scooch those into a smaller closet before the camera crease come. Because <laughs> everybody's got dirty clothes. Listen, I'm here to tell you, folks, everybody's got dirty clothes. Everybody gets their clothes dirty. No matter how rich you are, you're not wearing something once and burning it, right? <sighs> come on. Um, so there is a little bit, not a little bit, there's a problem with the, all this exclusivity. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's kind of like, capitalism in this tiny bag, right? It's pure, unfiltered, <laughs> distilled capitalism, yes. So, you know, what happens is, a lot. if a lot of these clothes on, like, the second tier, not like the bespoke clothing, right, mm-hmm. made for one person, a lot of the clothes on the second tier of the, the luxury brands, um, they actually sometimes get burned at the end of a season, Mm. They get pulled off the shelves. They uh, do not you want the exclusivity. You don't want them to go to clearance or anything exactly. Like that. Yeah. the The high fashion industry is responsible for about ten percent of the carbon emissions um, because they do burn a lot of clothing. Uh, they do also a lot of the fast fashion brands like you know Forever Twenty One and H and M and Shine and all those ones. They uh, make such low quality clothing. Uh, to make people feel fashionable, like they have the the luxury fashion brands, uh, a lot of that low quality clothing gets uh, just dumped. It gets shipped overseas. It gets uh, put in, you know, into to huge piles that nobody wants and they can't get rid of. And that's not even touching on issues with like labor issues and underpaying workers and sweatshops and then getting into also like paying more for a dress than a lot of people will make in a year or sometimes a lifetime. And specifically, the U.S. exports more than a billion pounds of used clothing every year. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, there are people who don't have the clothes that they need uh, and we're just burning some of them. Right. Okay. So that... that those are definitely problematic areas of and, this. And, and that doesn't mean that luxury brands uh, aren't, you know, that they, they are inherently harmful. They aren't. And it's also important to know, if you're someone who likes fashion and wants to be fashionable, it doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. As with a lot of things, the problem is that there are practices, there are behaviors going unaddressed that could be addressed to make everything better, except then it would cost more and people would make less money and capitalism. And here's the thing. Um, fashion is an art form. And we talked about those those haute couture shows right. being kind of like an art exhibit. Just that. They're a show. Right. right it's a yeah. show. And one of the things that um, we are, you know, unlearning from history is that Clothes, like a lot of fiber arts, is considered, quote, women's work, Mm. even though the designers are mostly men, Mm. right? Um, And so things like Louis Vuitton, Michael Kors, Versace, things like that, they all have men at the helm, but the the people working are the seamstresses, right? Yes. I just want to say, this is just a little uh, bone to pick for me to you. Um, please, everybody, make better fashion for men because <laughs> I routinely am like, I want to update my fashion, it's professional, and I'll find these blogs. I saw this blog one time. It's the thing I reference every time, which is like, looking for a fashionable look? Try a t-shirt and jeans. And it was literally just like a picture of a guy walking down the street wearing like blue jeans and a white t-shirt. And it was like, so fashionable. And I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> you guys, 
That's not it. That is not a bit like that's not a revelation in fashion. T-shirt and jeans. No. No. So give me something. That's not like, oh have you thought about a blue shirt? Fashion is an art form, and it is great to elevate it, especially uh, women designers who are often overlooked. Um, And it is multifaceted, certainly, and it's entrenched in our culture. Um, So, you know, if you if you really want a Birkin bag, it's a great investment. These are things that seem to really at this point in time only appreciate over time. I mean, we I mentioned uh, the Antiques Roadshow, right? Right. And it's something I've thought many, many times, I said Teresa many, many times watching Antiques Roadshow, of like, as things become more, uh, uh, like, not copied, but become more like off the shelf, right? Kind of deal? Yeah. We'll see fewer and fewer things where it's just like, oh my God, is that a, you know, Tiffany's lamp, for example, right? Because the those that's not what ends up so if you see it as an investment as you have said where it's just like i'm gonna pay for this right and then keep it and be very careful with it and eventually i could like resell it or whatever or you know i'm i'm certain i'm not the only person who has bought something and calculated that the uh cost per wear oh yes if it's something that i'm going to wear a lot it's okay that it is, you know, made very well and expensive because cost per wear is important to me. And the same way around me, I have some shoes that are covered in like little gold plates or gold spikes or whatever that I bought for like $15. And every time I wear them, people are like, oh my God, those are amazing. I'm like, yeah. And they're wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> I know they're going to fall apart like the fifth time so I wear the them. the psychological cost per wear right. is important too. But like I get compliments on them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, one other thing. One of the biggest questions we got, mm-hmm. right, and I think it kind of encompasses a lot of, of what people were asking, is if somebody pays a lot of money for a thing, right, or they want to show you something that they have or want to get, right, how do you offer your opinion on it if you think it's overpriced, if you think it's ugly, whatever? I think that the most important thing is to, instead of shutting down the conversation with something like, oh, wow, that's way too expensive, right? You ask a person about what made you choose this? When Mm. do you think you're going to wear it? How are you going to display this item? Is this more about fashion for you or is it more about the the design, the art, all that kind of stuff? I think it's it's the questions that you talk about it in um, so that, you know, if you would never buy something that was that expensive, that's fine. Yeah. Nobody's making you buy it. But if someone is excited about buying something and it happens to be very expensive, I think that the conversation that you're having is is the most important one. I, I also think, one, if somebody asks you that question, you have to do some like rapid gymnastics to flip into their mindset. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, like there are things that are not my style, right? That if someone said, what do you think about this? They're clearly not asking if I want it, right? Right. Where if I said like, oh, that would look great on you, right? Because it's your style more than mine. But I also think, here's a word. I'll use this word. Interesting, (laughs) right? Interesting will give you time to think of a more, oh, interesting, right? Because it is, right? Oh, interesting. Um, Rather than say, because I'm going to make a slight change, rather than say, when would you wear it, right? Which sounds, I think, in that wording, a little challenging. Okay. Say like, oh, interesting. What, like, what sort of occasion is that for? Like, you know, like, there's a difference between Oh, do you have like something coming up that you would wear it to? 
instead of when would you wear it, right? When would you wear it feels a little challenging. I'll I'll allow it. But I do think like, oh my God, yeah, it's beautiful. I would never, I could never let myself pay that much for something, right? I statements is another good way, Mm -hmm. especially if it's like, say it's a friend who you know can't afford it, but is gonna spend money on that thing, right? Say like, I don't know that I would be comfortable spending that much on something. Instead of you can't afford that or you shouldn't do the Mm -hmm. I statements, right? And let them come to the realization themselves. And that's about everything, right? I wouldn't date that guy, right? Like, (laughs) I wouldn't eat that whole tub of ice cream. You know what I mean? (laughs) I would though. Oh, I would. I like to let it all melt and then just drink it like soup. <laughs> Love it. The problem with that, because this happened to me last night, I had Cherry Garcia. I let it all get, not room temperature, but pretty soupy. Pretty soupy. But then the problem is, is then when it refreezes, all the bits is sunk to the bottom, and you oh, have about like man. three quarters of just like vanilla ice cream, and then <laughs> sediment. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun, our podcast home. Check out all the other great shows there. If you want to see all the other McElroy projects, you can go to McElroy.family. Check those out. If you want to see all the McElroy merch, you can go to McElroyMerch.com. Couldn't be easier to remember. I want to let everyone know I've got a virtual live show coming up. April 1st, 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be available for two weeks, video on demand afterwards. It's a Cuss Care show. And what that means is Cuss is the Cincinnati Underground Society show. Uh, and it's a show that I host. And I have amazing guests. Those guests for this show are Rob Cordry, Adam Brody, Christina Ariel, and Montaigne. Woo-hoo! And I think maybe one more if I can figure out who to ask and they're available. <laughs> um, but it's going to be a super fun show. We're going to do Would You Rather questions that you submit. So if you think of some you would like to hear my guests talk about, you can tweet uh, them using the hashtag CussCares. Uh, tickets are $8 and proceeds from the show are going to go to support two great organizations here in Cincinnati, one of which um, helps families that are facing or experiencing homelessness. And the other one, we're going to put some masks and COVID tests into some free fridges here in town. Uh, so you should get your tickets at cincyticket.com. That's cincy with a Y ticket.com slash cares. And it's going to be a super fun show. We hope to see you there. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent Brentlefloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. We are at Cast, and that is where we got some of the questions for this episode. Um, also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Also, thank you so much to our researcher, writer, friend, Alex. Inspiration. <laughs> Inspiration. She's amazing, and we could not do the show without her. Also, thank you to Rachel, our editor. Uh, again, could not do the show without her. Also, if you have idioms that you would like to submit to us, we love doing the idioms show. Or if you have other topics that you would love to hear us discuss, you can email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com, and say hi to Alex in those emails. She reads every single one. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture 
Artist owned. Audience supported.